Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We began seven weeks ago walking through this series on the armor of God, and we will bring that to a close this morning. So church, pat yourself on the back. You have endured and you have done well this morning. We're going to look at the last piece of armor, the sword of the Spirit. As we prepare to do that, I want to ask you this question. How many of you would say that you are pretty much prepared for anything that may happen? Pretty much prepared. Just look around. This is not the place you want to be right now. Look at that. You know, it's interesting. I remember growing up that my granddad would tell me that you always needed to be prepared. I know that's the Boy Scout motto, be prepared, but for him, it was simply the redneck motto. From South Georgia, you always needed to be ready, whatever may happen, which meant that you always carried with you a pocket knife. Guys, how many of you carry a pocket knife? All right. Ladies, any ladies carry pocket knives? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I would ask my granddad at times, I say, do you have a knife? And his response was always, do I have my pants on? Because it did not matter if he had pants on, he had a pocket knife, not just that. He always carried a handkerchief in his left pocket in the back, and he always in his wallet would carry cash. How many of you carry cash, have some cash on you? I'm impressed. Very good. How many of you say, what's cash, <laughs> right? You know, it's interesting that he always had cash on him. Didn't matter what happened. There have been moments in my life where I wish I had listened to his advice and at least had a $20 bill stuck in my wallet somewhere. He was always prepared regardless of the situation. And this morning, I want us to take note as we begin to walk through the text together that for us as followers of Jesus, one of the ways that we can always be prepared is to carry with us the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. For us to be ready, whatever may come with that vital piece of armor and so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about together. I want to read the text beginning in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, walking through verse 20, and then we'll zoom in on verse 17, the second part, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But this is God's Word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, 
and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you to write down this statement. It's something I encourage you to reflect on over the course of this next week. You could reflect on this over the course of your entire life. But here it is, never underestimate the power of the word of God in the midst of spiritual battle. Never underestimate the power of the word of God in the midst of spiritual battle. Over the last number of weeks, we have been unpacking each piece of armor as Paul has been describing them for us. Remember that for Paul, he is encouraging these believers in Ephesus and us as believers today that every single day, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. Every single day, we face an enemy who is seeking to still kill and destroy in our lives, who is seeking to dissuade us and discourage us from following what God has called us to do and walking in obedience and growing in our relationship with Him. Every single day, as a follower of Jesus, that you open your eyes and plant your feet on the ground is a day where you are at war spiritually. And for Paul, he doesn't want us to enter into battle not being prepared. He wants us to recognize that we have the opportunity to day in and day out put on the full armor of God. We've been walking our way through that, and we come to this final piece of armor. The second part of verse 17 to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. As we've done each week, we're going to seek to answer four questions, but as we prepare to look at this first question, I want you to take notice of the screen and you'll be able to see an image of what this sword often looked like for a Roman soldier at this part in history. You may be tempted to think that that's a pretty large sword. In fact, it's actually not. Most of the swords that they would have carried were attached to their belt in a sheath, and they were only 12 to 18 inches long. Because when I hear sword, I think sword. But that's not what he's describing. 
In fact, it would have been very small as we think about what a sword would look like. It would have been something that they would have carried with them at all times. And fascinatingly, it was something that these Roman soldiers would have trained with over and over and over again. It was something that as they entered into battle, they needed to know how to utilize in the most effective way possible so that they were able to withstand the attack of the enemy that was coming. And as you can guess, a sword that's 12 to 18 inches long is not a sword that you engage in long-distance combat. It is hand-to-hand combat time. And so this sword oftentimes would have been double-edged. Both sides would have had a sharp edge on it, and they would have utilized it in a number of different fashions. And so I want us to answer this first question, what was the purpose of the Roman soldier's sword? Maybe surprisingly to you, the first purpose was for defense, So as they were engaged in battle, we've already talked about the fact that they would have carried a shield that would have protected them from the large blows and things like that. But because they were so skilled in being able to use this small sword, they would have able to defend themselves in the midst of attack. So as another soldier was coming against them and seeking to take them out, they would have been able to use this sword as a defense tool engaged in battle. So that was one way they used the sword. But the primary way they used the sword was for attack. So that as they are engaged in hand-to-hand combat, they were able to take this sword and they were able to strategically place it in locations that would bring the most difficult circumstances for their enemy. Because you got to think that the enemy is also wearing armor, much as we've discussed And they would have had to have used these swords in such a way that they were able to get through into places where this armor was not protecting, able to slice and dice, so to speak, so that they were able to attack the enemy. In fact, the sword was a defense tool, but it was primarily an attack tool. And if you remember, as we've been walking through, up until this point, every single piece of armor has been a defensive piece of armor. Until we come to the sword, which is the only offensive piece of armor that a Roman soldier would have used. You know, as I think about that, I couldn't help but think back to when I was a child. I took karate for a number of years. Don't mess with me, right? (laughs) Just kidding. I wasn't that great at it. Uh, One of the things that I realized early on was that I wasn't super interested in anything that was going on with the exception of the weapons. I don't know if you know this or not, but for me, when I see a throwing star, I think that's mine. But the one thing that far surpassed any of the others was nunchucks. Oh, church. I got my first pair of nunchucks. They were amazing. 
And what's interesting is the guy that was teaching Taekwondo, he said to me when my parents bought them, which parents, that was a dumb idea. Just put that out there. He said, here's the thing. What you have to recognize is that you very easily will hurt yourself more than you'll hurt anybody else if you don't know how to use these. I mean, if you watch videos of it, of someone who has absolutely no idea what they're doing, they will knock themselves out. And so he says, listen, you have to spend time working on your skills so that you understand how to utilize these nunchucks. You have to spend hours practicing with them, using them for defense postures, but also for attack as well. You can't just casually utilize these. You have to know what you're doing. And the same thing was true for a Roman soldier with sword. This is going to come into play as we continue walking our way through. But here's question number two. That was what the purpose of the Roman soldier's sword was. But I want you to notice that as Paul is unpacking this, he calls it the sword of the spirit, and then he defines which is the word of God. So let's ask the second question, what is the word of God? Well, simply put, it is God's special revelation to mankind wherein the good news of the gospel is proclaimed. What is God's word? It is his special revelation to mankind wherein the good news of the gospel is proclaimed proclaimed. In fact, I would make this argument this morning. If you were to ask me, pastor, what is this book all about? If I could only boil it down to one thing, it is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we as mankind be saved from our sin and brought into the family of God? The answer is here. Now, certainly the Bible contains a number of different things, a number of things for us to think through as we are living throughout our lives, things about marriage, things about raising children. There's, there's a lot of instructions in there, yes, of course, but if you boil it down to the core, it is God's revelation to mankind how they can be forgiven of their sins through Jesus Christ, his son. In fact, if you look at Luke chapter 24, as Jesus has been raised from the dead, as he is walking on the Emmaus Road with two of his disciples, he shares with them because they don't recognize him in that moment. And he says, why are you sad? Why are you upset? Why are you not thrilled with the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. They said, well, we, we weren't sure if it was true. We didn't know. And, and what's fascinating is that Jesus begins to unpack for them, beginning in the law and working through the prophets. The scripture tells us everything that pertained to him. 
And so I want to say to you this morning, if you're here and you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to issue this challenge to you. Because God's Word is clear that when it's proclaimed, when it's read, it will not return void. It will accomplish what he intends for it to accomplish. And so if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I just want to issue this challenge to you as it comes to God's Word. Read the book of John in the New Testament. Read the book of John in the New Testament and ask the Lord to open your eyes to see the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Because God's word is very clear for us about how we can be saved from our sin through Jesus Christ, his son. God's word is his special revelation to mankind wherein the good news of the gospel is proclaimed. I want you to notice as it comes up on the screen, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, on the heels of Paul reminding Timothy, his son in the ministry, that in the last days that people will not desire to hear the truth of God's word, that they'll seek to push away from that and hear things that would tickle their ears. Notice that this is what he says to Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How many of you have ever seen that on a coffee cup? While evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice this. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, that's the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And notice this, all scripture, Paul writes, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As we zoom in for just a few minutes, thinking about the word of God on these verses, verse 16 and 17 specifically, I want to make three statements as we come to Scripture for us to take note of. And the first is we need to understand the nature of Scripture, the nature of God's word. And in the first part there, verse 16, Paul declares, all Scripture is breathed out by God. In fact, when we come to God's Word, we realize that we have 66 books that are contained within with 40-some authors that were writing down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, the very Word 
of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Which means for us gathered this morning, what we have to recognize and understand is that if it is the Word of God, it is without errors. It is inerrant. And it is infallible, which means it does not contradict itself. And not only that, but here's where the crux of the question comes for all of us. Is it authoritative in our lives? Because if it is God's word, not only is it inerrant, not only is it infallible, but the truth is it is authoritative. Which means for us, as we approach God's word, what we have to recognize and understand is if God's word says it, we are compelled, because it is the word of God, to believe it and to act in accordance with it. You see, it's interesting that when we come to God's word, most people struggle with that last We like God's word, but where it speaks into our lives with authority, will we be willing to submit to it regardless of how we may feel or what it may cost? But hear me this morning, if it is breathed out by God, it is authoritative in what it says. Not only that, I want you to take note as well that we have to understand the use of Scripture as well, the use of God's Word. And Paul continues, after saying all Scripture is breathed out by God, he says it is useful or profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Four things he declares about God's word here. Here's often the problem. We as followers of Jesus, if we're not careful, will approach God's word like we approach the end user agreement for a piece of software. You know what I'm talking about? Come out and they say, listen, you need to download the latest version of whatever this software is so that your phone runs like it's supposed to or your computer does what it's supposed to. And before, once you click, you're going to download, this box pops up, right? And it has all of this stuff detailed out. And there's a button where you click accept. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever read all of that? James, just one, two, three. You sign it without even thinking about it. You click accept, and it may say you have to give us your firstborn. Here's where, if we're not careful, we'll approach God's word in the same way. We'll just assume what it says. We'll assume what it says because the pastor said so. But for us, we have to dig in to recognize and understand the truth of what God's word says. We have to dig in to know what God's word teaches. And here's the promise from Paul here, that it is profitable for teaching. 
The, the Holy Spirit of God, through the word that he inspired, will teach us as we seek to walk in obedience to the Lord. That as we open God's word day in and day out, we will learn the truth of who God is and how we are to live in obedience to him. Not only that, it will also reprove us, which means it will call us out. God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit will shine a spotlight into our hearts and expose oftentimes in our lives where we are not walking in obedience to the Lord. And then it will correct us. Not only will it say you've got a problem, but it will correct us to go, now here is the path for moving forward. God's word provides that. And he says, closing out, that it is able to train us in righteousness, to train us as we seek to grow in our walk with the Lord, as we seek to mature in our faith. It happens through our time in God's word. So what is the aim of Scripture? What is the aim of God's word as we spend time in it? Notice he closes out. All scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Here's the aim that the man of God or the woman of God would be complete, equipped for every good work. How can we be prepared for whatever situation may come? Paul gives us the answer, it is through the word of God. In college, my wife was known as the Girl Scout because without fail, she carried a bag with her that had everything you could ever need this side of heaven. And her friends would often come into situations unprepared, don't have a pen, need a small jacket, need a Band-Aid, Neosporin, notebook. I mean, everything was in. I mean, it was the bag that never ended. You know, you could just keep pulling stuff out of it. Some of you ladies, you have a bag like that. And you make your husband carry it every once in a while, right? Just to remind them, yeah. But hear me this morning, God's word for us has everything that we need to be complete and to be equipped to walk out in obedience to the Lord, our walk of faith. So here's question number three. Why does Paul use sword of the spirit, which is God's word? Why does he connect these together? the sword that the Roman soldier would have utilized, and the word of God. He meshes those together. I think there's two reasons why. The first is this, that proper handling of God's word enables us to skillfully defend ourselves against Satan's attack. 
I want you to pay close attention to the first two words. Proper handling. Remember what I said about the Roman soldier that they would have trained constantly over and over and over again with the sword so that it was like second nature for them as they were engaged in battle. For us as followers of Jesus, we too need to be so familiar with, so saturated with the word of God in our lives that we are able to properly handle it in the midst of the attacks of the enemy so that we can skillfully defend ourselves as those attacks come. I want you to notice secondly as well that proper handling of God's word enables us to skillfully attack the schemes of Satan and the forces of evil in this world. Not only Is it for defense, but it is also for attack. And here's the thing we have to recognize, the thing that we have to understand, that as we are engaged day in and day out in spiritual battle, there are moments when we are going to have to go on the attack. There are moments in the midst of battle where we have to attack arguments, we have to attack the forces of evil that are in this world. Now, hear me this morning. Please, please, please hear me. That does not mean we are to be jerks. Can I just say that? You hear me? Are you with me? What that means for us is as we are engaged in spiritual battle, we recognize where there is a lack of truth. We recognize where there is error. We recognize and we are able in that moment to attack that lie of the enemy with the truth of God's word. So why does he make that connection? Well, it is so that we can properly handle the word of God in such a way that we are able to skillfully defend and skillfully attack in the midst of battle. You say, Pastor, I agree with everything that you said. I believe that. I trust that. I know how important God's word is. You may be sitting this morning thinking, I just don't know that I know God's word well enough to do what you've just described. I don't know that I know God's word well enough to utilize it in the proper way in the midst of spiritual attack. I I, I just, I don't know. And then there's others in this room. You say, Pastor, I've been spending time in God's word to the point that I, I am prepared and I have seen the value of God's word in the midst of spiritual battle. But every single one of us can grow and our understanding, our knowledge, and our use of God's word in the midst of spiritual attack. And here's the question, how do we do that? How do we live this out? Well, there's three things I want you to take note of. First is this, we must prioritize reading God's word. We must prioritize reading God's word in our daily lives. So here are the three questions for you. 
when? When are you going to do it? When are you going to commit to spending time reading God's word? You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I am really busy. I mean, I got a lot going on. Can I press just a bit back on that? How many hours of Netflix have you watched this last week? If it's true, statistically speaking, we touch our phones over 2,000 times a day. Listen, we have time for what we prioritize. So when will you prioritize spending time reading God's word? And then where? What's the location? Is it a special chair in your house? Is it the couch? Is it as you drive down the interstate, you say, Pastor, hang on, that's bad. You're not supposed to read and drive. That doesn't, that doesn't work well. Here's a funny thing. They have something called audiobooks these days. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but you can actually listen to God's word as you are commuting to work every day. So when, where, and then what? What are you going to read? Or what are you going to listen to when it comes to God's word? I just want to encourage you, start small. Start small. Start with a short book of the Bible. Start with a chapter of the Bible. You know, each week as we gather together, we're going to spend time in God's Word. Read the next section of Scripture. But make sure that you are prioritizing reading God's Word in your daily life. Here's the second one. Prioritize memorizing God's Word prioritize not just reading God's Word. We need to be doing that, but also memorizing God's Word. There's two resources that you'll see up here connected with this. One is by Andy Davis. It's an approach to extended memorization of Scripture. Phenomenal booklet resource. If your desire is to memorize larger portions of Scripture, this is a tremendous resource for you in that. And maybe you say, Pastor, I, I'd love to have some, just some fighter verses, some verses that when I'm in the midst of battle, whether it's struggling with joy or struggling with hope or struggling with anxiety, whatever it may be, just those verses, I'd encourage you to grab the topical memory system that's put out by the navigators. Both of those resources are on Amazon, bookstores, you can grab those. They are phenomenal, and I would encourage you to utilize them and to memorize God's Word. Here's one of the fascinating things that I've experienced in my life personally is growing up in the church, memorizing scripture as a kid, that even today, that there are situations that arise when verses that I memorized some 30 years ago will pop up into my head. One of the great joys for our kids being plugged into Awana is that they are memorizing scripture every single week. And I want to encourage you. You say, I, 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 I've got a terrible memory, Pastor. I had a terrible memory. I don't memorize things very well. Here's what's fascinating. I had some students when I was a student pastor that made that same comment. They said, we struggle to memorize stuff. I said, you are a bunch of liars. 
They just kind of looked at me funny. I said, let's turn the radio on and let's go to the station of the songs that you listen to. And can I tell you, they sang every word of every song for at least 45 minutes driving down the road heading to student camp. I'm like, y'all can memorize. You sitting out there right now, you say, Pastor, I, I'm a seasoned saint. My memory is not what it used to be. You can memorize God's word. Make it a priority, regardless of who you are to memorize God's word. And here's the last one. Prioritize meditating on God's word. Not just reading it, not just memorizing it, but actually meditating on God's word. Now hear me this morning. Meditation is not, biblically speaking, emptying your head. That's not what biblical concept of meditation is. It is saturating our minds and reflecting on the truth of God's word so that we take a verse of scripture and we sit with it and allow it to soak in to who we are as a person and we, we pull it apart and we reflect on the phrases and we look at how that applies in our lives and we spend time meditating on it so that like a steak that is marinating in a marinade, we do the same thing and allow scripture to so saturate our minds and our hearts. It goes down to the core of who we are so in the midst of spiritual battle, we're able to remember the truth of what God's word says. Paul closes out this admonition to take up the whole armor of God in verse 18 with this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Notice, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, praying for all the saints and also for him that he would boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. You know, as we think about putting on the full armor of God, we cannot separate that from the call to be in prayer before the Lord, that as we are putting on each piece of armor, we are asking the Lord as we put that armor on to provide the protection that he's promised, to provide the deliverance that he has promised, to secure for us the ability to stand in the midst of the battle and to stand firm, not because of our strength, but because of his and his alone. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As our worship team comes up and as we transition into this time of response and this time where we have the ability to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, maybe you've come in today and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. I want you to know this morning that you have the opportunity by faith to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The only hope that you have 
for your sins to be forgiven and for you to be brought into the family of God is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus already today, would you allow God's word to pierce your heart, to remind you of its beauty, remind you of how desperately you and I are in need of the sword of the spirit, the word of God in the midst of battle. And may today be a moment where we prioritize once again, reading, memorizing, and meditating on God's word in our life. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for how it convicts us and challenges us and corrects us. God, may we as your people be so devoted and committed to it that it so saturates our hearts and our lives that in the midst of battle, we are able to stand firm with the sword of the spirit, your word. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stay seated, if you will, and I want to give our ushers some time to make their way up with the elements this morning.